0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 16th of September, 2020. And today we start really one of the biggest and I think most important books of the Bible, a treasure that I think many... American modern day Christians don't appreciate and don't spend enough time in, and that is the book of Isaiah, a jewel of the Old Testament, 66 chapters of prophecy, uh, many depictions ultimately of Jesus Christ, many pictures of judgment and salvation, so much truth for us to feast on in this Book, the book of Isaiah. And some have pointed out that in some ways, Isaiah is uh, really like a Bible in miniature form. And, and you know, some of this is artificial because chapter divisions were not a part of the original text, and even the way we divide the books in kind of modern Western culture, then get to the number 66 books. Uh, That's even different from how the Hebrews would do it as their number of books, even in the old Testament would be different, not because there's different books, but because they would combine first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, and, and do some other things like that. But Anyways, it's a helpful thing, I think, to think about uh, that how many books are there in the Old Testament? Well, there's 39, which simple math, then there's 27 books in the New Testament. Well, the book of Isaiah breaks down in a somewhat similar fashion where um, the first 39 chapters seem to be uh, more focused on God's judgment and the last 27 chapters seem to be more focused on God's salvation. And maybe that's an easy way to to remember it for yourself. Again, some of that's artificial, but I think it is helpful. And those are the two words that you need to have in your mind as we start going through the book of Isaiah together, judgment and salvation. And again, the breakdown isn't super neat. I think the first part does focus more on judgment and the latter part more on salvation, but they are mixed up Throughout, And so you'll even in the first four chapters, we will see a lot, I'd say more focus on judgment, but we will see some passages talking about salvation. Another thing that we need to keep in mind as we go through the book of Isaiah is future versus present. And that's another thing. Sometimes Isaiah will be talking about something that's really going on in the present times in his day. And then many times his prophecy will look forward to something that's going to happen in the future. Obviously, you're probably familiar with Isaiah 53, which clearly refers to Jesus Christ as the coming suffering servant. We'll also see some prophecies even today that are referring to things that still have yet to be fulfilled, things that are still in the future. And so those are some questions you can ask as you're going through. Is this talking about judgment or is this talking about salvation? And is this talking about something that was going on in Isaiah's day? Or is this looking forward to something that would happen in the future? And then even of those, we can ask in our present situation, is this something that has already happened in the future? Or is this something that is still yet to happen? And I think once we get into the prophetic books here, some things are harder to understand, but I hope this podcast will help us understand them, and I hope that you will get more out of Isaiah this time than you ever have before in your life, and that you will come to appreciate this book even more than you have before. And as we dig into the first four chapters today, chapter one, I think really helps set the tone and really um, helps us understand what we're going to see a lot of in the book of Isaiah. And we see right from the beginnings, it is a message of judgment and Isaiah here, and he had a long ministry. It mentions several different Kings there in verse one, but he is bringing a message of rebuke to the people. And basically God is saying, Children I have reared and brought up have rebelled against me. And he he's saying this nation that, that he is taken care of has now rebelled against him. And he goes off then for much of the rest of the chapter on the sins of the people. And he even gets to their hypocrisy, saying, you know, that they're they have their feasts and they're doing their offerings, but that is not what God is looking for. Uh, And we really get a sense of this starting in verse 16. What God is calling them to do, he says, is wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the cause, plead the widow's cause. And really, I think that is a call to repentance. A repentance that comes from the inside out, not just, hey, do some ceremonial external thing. No, uh, cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek what is really right. This is a picture of repentance. And then we also see a beautiful picture of forgiveness starting in verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so really we see uh, there a call to repentance and a promise of forgiveness. And I want us to see, this is actually consistent with what we see throughout the entire Bible, even going to Jesus. Jesus came along and one of the first words out of his mouth that we see in the gospels is repent, repent and believe the good news. And really, I think that's a very similar message to what Isaiah is giving here. He's calling the nation to repent, but he's also giving a promise of forgiveness. And as we Get through the rest of the book. We're going to see how is that forgiveness possible? Ultimately, it's possible through a suffering servant who is to come. And we know that suffering servant is Jesus Christ. And so the message of Isaiah isn't really different from the message we should be believing and declaring to our culture that we have a problem with sin. We are headed to God's judgment. We need to repent and we will find forgiveness as a result of that repentance. And we know what it's pointing forward to, how that forgiveness is accomplished. And it is accomplished through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And so that really starts to give us a flavor of what we'll see throughout Isaiah. You see some flashes of, I think, future salvation in chapters 2 and And in chapter four, you you see those uh, amazing words in chapter two, verse four, saying, he shall judge between nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And clearly that's one of those prophecies in this book that we are still awaiting the fulfillment of when Jesus comes back, when he sets up his kingdom and there will be peace on earth because Jesus will be reigning. So I'm excited to continue to read through Isaiah together here on Revival from the Bible. But the next two passages, I saw a lot of connections between today. And so now let's turn to Hebrews chapter two, where again, we pick up on some of the themes that we left up on yesterday, that Jesus has conquered death for us. And, and that there, he endured death for everyone. And so we see today that it talks about what he has done and the significance of it in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is The devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And so, there it talks about God being a deliverer and God delivering his people here from the fear of death. That death is not something that we need to fear anymore because of what Jesus Christ has done. But more than that, it talks about how he was made perfect through suffering. And so then when we experience suffering and really specifically the suffering of temptation, um, verse 18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So as Christians, we should have a different perspective on suffering, knowing that Jesus, he can sympathize with our suffering. And ultimately, the suffering of death is no longer a suffering that we need to fear anymore, because Jesus has tasted death for us. And like I said, this connects in my mind with especially what we read in Psalm 107 today in verses 10 through 20, where it talks specifically about people who sat in darkness and prisoners. Remember like yesterday, these are many times physical depictions of God delivering people that also make us think of the spiritual ways God delivers people. But it talks about in dramatic fashion, him rescuing people from prison. And then it's almost like this is a a hymn with verses and then with a refrain, because it always comes back many times here to what it says in verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. And again, that should be relevant to us. You might not literally have been a slave or literally been imprisoned, but like Hebrews talks about, we've been slaves to the fear of death, but Christ has set us free from that. He breaks the shackles of the fear of death. He breaks the bonds of sin and we should respond with thanksgiving and with worship. The next section there is verse 17 through 22, that's like another verse in this hymn of Psalm 107, talks about those who basically sinned and therefore were suffering for it and how God healed and delivered them. And then we get to the familiar refrain in verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. And there, we see God, that's something we should all be able to relate to. We have sinned and suffered for it, but God has been merciful to us if we are believers. And if you're listening to this podcast somehow and you are suffering for your sin, I want to encourage you that God has made a way for us to be forgiven and free from all of our sin. And it's through Jesus Christ. He died for our sin. He lived the perfect life that we haven't lived. And he rose again. And through faith in him, we can have all of our sin forgiven. We can have the power of sin in our lives broken. And we can have hope for a future in heaven that can't be taken away from us. And if you are a believer, one of the main takeaways I want you to take from our time in God's word today really is that refrain that keeps coming up in Psalm 107, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and for his wondrous works to the children of man. Thank God today that he has rescued you from the slavery and the shackles of sin, that he has rescued you from the consequences and destruction that your sin should bring that should fill us with thanksgiving and joy today. And even as we look forward now, we do, not, we do not fear death because Christ has tasted death for us. We have a lot of reasons to rejoice that we are seeing in God's word today. And I hope that becomes a reality in our lives today because of this time in God's word. Now, finally, today we, we go into Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20, and today we look at verses 1 through 18. And this is a day that's mentioned in several of the Gospels where there becomes this question and answer session between all kinds of people and Jesus. Something uh, my brother likes to refer to as, you know, the first century uh, popular reality show, Stump Jesus, where people come and they try to pin Jesus to the wall with their questions, and we see nobody wins this game. Uh, The winner is Always Jesus, the contestant is always sent away um, because these questions they 're never able to stump Jesus and again, you you see the first one here, and Jesus he turns it right back around on those who ask him, and he pins them to the wall with with, with questions. Where they come and they try to ask Jesus where he gets his authority to do what he is doing. We look at verses 1 through 18 in Luke 20 today. And Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you that if you tell me this. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And the leaders are trapped because it's a lose-lose answer. For them, Because if they say from heaven, Jesus is going to rebuke them for not listening to him. And if they say from man, the people are going to get upset. And so they obfuscate and they say, uh, we don't know. And uh, Jesus says, well, then I'm not going to answer. And then Jesus goes on to tell a parable. And this parable would have been an obvious stinging rebuke to the religious leaders. And even this image of a vineyard is one we're going to see more of tomorrow. I don't... Buckle your seatbelts. Tomorrow might be a long podcast because it is such a rich section of the prophet of Isaiah. Um, But we're going to see this image of a vineyard. And, And... Jesus talking about a vineyard, this would have rung bells for the people listening that, oh, we're talking about Israel. Israel is this vineyard. And and the master leaves and he leaves it in the hands of these tenants, the spiritual leaders. But when he sends people, this first would have been the prophets and ultimately his son, they do not respond and ultimately they kill his son. And I don't think anybody listening would have been able to avoid the conclusion that Jesus is talking about the religious leaders here. Jesus flips the questions back on them and rebukes them. And we see that clearly today in Luke chapter 16. Uh, Jesus, uh, he was a victor, not just in his words, but also in what he did. He overcame temptation. He overcame death. And we should rejoice in that today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.